1: blue Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants Football Podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, Joined as always by Nick Philotto. Today we're going to be breaking down our quick reaction quick takeaways from the Giants opening night 26 to 16 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. For those who are new to the Big Blue Banter podcast, now that we're in season, you can lock in a schedule that's pretty solid and pretty safe to bet on. That will include quick takeaways, reaction from the game immediately upon our first viewing. That will also include probably a little rerun of some of the game on broadcast. Both me and Nick have, at this point, rerun most of the plays on broadcast angle. That'll come right after the game, uh, night of the game. And then later in the week, once the All-22 comes out, which has been you know, a process these days with NFL Game Pass, it seems like they're they've been extending that into maybe tuesday night sometimes wednesday even we'll get some time to dive into the all 22 and then we'll give you another show midweek all 22 key takeaways things to focus on based on what we saw in the film and then we'll be looking to also add some new podcasts this year potentially some previews with other podcasters from the same network on blue wire who are covering teams of the uh, teams the giants will be facing in season we have something coming this week for the matchup with the bears but for now, let's dive into the Giants' opening loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers. What would you like to open the show with, Nick? What stands out to you? Something you want to talk about first?
2: I think it's just the uniqueness of this coaching staff and kind of the way they were able to come up with a game plan that was able to at least have the Giants play well within the well into the fourth quarter in this matchup.
1: Yeah, I think that's, for me, if I was looking at just the 30,000-foot view, what stood out to me? It's... The intensity that the team played with overall, it's the tackling that improved. It's the special teams that once again continues to improve. And it was a different feel and different energy, I thought. Even though they lost the game, even though you know, at some point in this game it felt like the Steelers gained control, mostly because the offense kind of adjusted and Ben Roethlisberger really made some excellent second-half adjustments to beat what the Giants were doing, which was a lot of man coverage.
2: Yeah, the Steelers definitely had a game plan to defeat that man coverage by aligning their wide receivers to where the inside receiver was releasing vertical to create traffic for the outside receiver's cornerback. Kind of created a pick and a rub, and that really gave a lot of free releases to the Steelers' wide receivers. Running in space horizontally, and we saw that with Deontay Johnson a bunch of times throughout the game, was a really good adjustment by Mike Tomlin and that coaching staff. And just going back to that, I mean, again, it's not something
1: I want to pinpoint zero in on and blame the Giants for because you look at this matchup and the Steelers have a really talented wide receiver corpse with Juju now fully healthy chase Claypool clearly making quick transitions in the nfl and deontay johnson really stepping up and you look at that and you have a veteran quarterback in ben Roethlisberger who's been there he's been in randy Fickner's system he's been in the nfl he made the necessary calf time adjustments to beat what the giants are showing the giants really only had one thing they could do on the defense side of the ball given their personnel right now this is still a year away let's be honest they lost their first round cornerback who they were counting on they lost another cornerback in the a third round a former third rounder who opted out They still are a little bit farther away, I think, with the one-on-one pass rushers, the guys who can generate one-on-one. And so really, it's a defense that still needs work from just a talent standpoint. So I'm not surprised that a quarterback like Ben Rossberg, or Justin, beat them at half. They had a lot of those back shoulder fades you saw in the second half. And like you said, just creating separation against the Giants, who were really using a lot of heavy man. But I'm okay the Giants used heavy man, because I think if the Giants had gone to zone in that second half, it would have looked even worse. I think right now the Giants aren't a secondary that can afford to play a lot of zone because I think there'll be a lot of communication breakdowns like we saw last season with James Betcher's defense. I think overall they'll have a better shot in man. But this is going to happen against teams with personnel like the Steelers at the receiver position and a veteran quarterback like Ben Roethliger who came into his own on that two-minute drill and then kind of never looked back from there. But overall, I felt confident coming away in the sense that the Giants played a lot harder Then I felt like they played. There was more energy than I felt like there really was during these opening games of the Pat Shermer era and even of the Ben McAdoo era. You kind of saw some. Lull, lolly gagging around a little lulls in the games where they fell behind early in the season week one week two of those Shermer and McAdoo seasons I didn't feel that way tonight I didn't think that was why they lost this game.
2: Well, the Giants looked really tough really energetic out there flying around Blake Martinez showed excellent pursuit to the ball so did guys like Lorenzo Carter Leonard Williams they were kind of all over the place and just talking to touch on that Giants defensive front I mean you have players like Lorenzo Carter, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. They all looked really good in this matchup. Lorenzo Carter doesn't seem like that was a mirage, that off-season training camp, whatever you really want to call it, where he was dominating in that blue and white scrimmage because he looked good out there. He was getting around the edge a little bit as a pass rusher, getting some pressures on Ben Roethlisberger, but against the run, there were a couple plays where the Steelers tried pulling the playside guard in the center and he stood up at the point of attack one of them he stood stood up at the point of attack did not get bullied and was able to set the edge on another one he was able to avoid the pulling playside guard kind of dip his inside shoulder around him and then tackle James Conner in the backfield. It Was one of James Conner's last plays so when I look at all those things it really gives me uh, a lot of encouragement about this defensive front something We've been really high on, but in terms of the pass rush, that's something that we kind of question. Will they be able to get some pressure? They were able to, I would say, adequately in this game, at least pressure Ben Roethlisberger at some points of the game. But then it ended up getting away from them when the game script ended up getting away from them.
1: Yeah, I was less concerned with the pass rush. I don't think that was the key culprit for kind of the Steelers finding a groove in the passing game. And again, let's
2: be. No, absolutely not. It was all quick passes, right. and the Giants were also trying to dial up five-man pressure packages, which left them also somewhat vulnerable. They were, they're just not good enough in man coverage on the back end.
1: That's really what it is for me. I mean, the Giants are going to be a team. They're, they didn't hide or disguise yeah. what Patrick Graham has done in the past with Miami, something you detailed in length, and we went over on our Patrick Graham podcast earlier this offseason, and what we saw tonight, and what we're going to expect is going forward, and that's a lot of man coverage, no matter what the game situation is, and a lot of blitzing, a lot more blitzing. I mean, they tried the zero blitz in the red zone, and it cost them. That's okay. I like the idea. Try a zero blitz. You can mix it in. It's a gamble worth taking when your back-end secondary consists of the players that are currently in the Giants' back-end secondary, and really... When they got burned this game, in the passing game, it was more on the coverage to me, I thought, than the pass rushers. I thought they did an excellent job. Dexter Lawrence got in there. Uh, obviously, the Leonard Williams sack, he got some pressures in there. Everyone really played well. Lorenzo Carter more in the first half, but still an excellent first half. And overall, I mean, the Steelers only threw for 208 yards passing. It's not like they lit up the Giants' secondary. You know, this was a lot of quick stuff, a lot of just beating man coverage. And that's going to happen when you got Yanem out there, when you got Ballantyne out there. You don't have the personnel right now. I don't think, to match up with a Chase Claypool, a Deontay Johnson, and a Juju Smith-Schuster against a veteran quarterback. It's just not there, but that's okay. I think that what they did in the run game was really good on the defensive side of the ball. I know it ended up being the Steelers ended up racking up 141 yards on, on I believe it was 30 rushing attempts, and that was okay, but in my opinion, a lot of those yards came in the fourth quarter, and a lot of those came on two plays, really, in the fourth quarter, and that's to be expected when the defense was on the field a little bit longer, when the game was winding down it was getting a little bit out of hand. But when the Steelers tried to impose their will in the run game and they really wanted to establish the run early because I think they were trying to like let Ben Roethlisberger kind of get into a groove the Giants were right there to stop them they were good in their run fits like you said, Blake Martinez played an excellent game that is what it's like, Giants fans to watch a middle linebacker, an inside backer who can fill and who can stop the run coming right at him they didn't have that last year with Alec Ogletree they did not have that and it makes a massive difference I thought they were really able to put the Steelers in a lot of tough third down situations in the first half
2: yeah they can he can fill he can scrape him and james bradbury really proving their worth in that game bradbury had that really nice contested catch situation i know he was beat on the one touchdown play to juju smith schuster but that was another rub route in man coverage that kind of had the other giants cornerback kind of just bump bradbury just slightly to where it hindered his ability to get after juju but i mean you got to look at blake martinez you have to look at james bradbury and tell me like are they not worth that money? I mean, they make this defense significantly better.
1: Yeah, those are two excellent signings that both made big plays tonight. And I specifically, obviously, Bradbury made the big play you referenced, and I liked and I thought overall, with the exception of the Juju play, which wasn't his fault. I mean, he's on an island there. Juju made a really, really nice, had a really, really nice release there, and also sold the route really nicely because that's exactly what he had been running down there in red zone over and over, and then runs a different. Like, I can't blame Bradbury on that. I'm not going to blame Bradbury on that. But really, for me, the breath of fresh air was just watching an inside backer who could actually aid the talent that they put together on the interior defensive line to create a run defense that was good for most of the game. I mean, if you really look at this game, you look at the total yardage, you look at the third down efficiency where both teams were dead even on third downs, on third down percentage, it came down to missed opportunities. It came down to capitalizing on opportunities. The Giants had a turnover in the red zone with the Daniel Jones interception, and they had a red zone first and goal from the three where instead of doing what I will always preach to do from this point on, which is I'm a big believer... I'm not, I don't love running the ball. You guys know that who listen to this podcast. But I'm a big believer when you're first in goal from the four or under, run it three or four times straight. I don't see them. St- and I, I'm okay running from – I pre- preferably I want you to run from the spread gun. I don't want you loading up the box with three tight ends and making it obvious. But spread the ball out, get in the gun run RPO, you could do that with Daniel Jones down there, or just run the ball straight, put it in Barkley's hand, run down there. If you give Barkley three tries on that first possession, I can promise you he was going to power in there. I really do believe that.
2: He almost did on the one play, but then again, you look at the final stat line of Saquon Barkley and this anemic rushing attack, and it's hard to say that they would have been effective, but you're right. You would like to see them give it to their star player there but i mean we can get into this offensive line dan this is it's just 2019 reminiscent kind i mean i really like what andrew thomas was able to do but that interior Interior offensive line when you look at both guards who did not play all that well just from right. the broadcasts I mean, we had to dive into the all 22, so let me preface that. And then you look at Nick Gates, who found himself on his ass way too often. Cam Fleming was definitely seemed like a liability. Granted, he had a really, really tough matchup with TJ Watt out there, but that offensive lineman, Saquon Barkley's got nowhere to go. All the Steelers have to do, they have a great defense, is they just shot gaps and they were in the backfield and Saquon Barkley was getting hit. It reminded me of the Jet game last year.
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. We're gonna ha- The Giants are going to have to take a serious look at this tape and decide if this Nick Gates experiment is worth furthering. I mean, maybe Spencer Pulley's not healthy enough to make that even a choice right now. Maybe they want to give him a longer leash. Both, I would understand. But what we saw from Nick Gates tonight was not good. This experiment got off to a very, very poor start. There were, I mean, you, you showed me the play earlier that I put on Twitter where he just got completely turned around. That wasn't the only play where we saw that. I mean, it was over and over with Gates. He just... This was something you mentioned this off season, all off season. No one, everybody poo pooed it. Like it's going to be okay. It's fine. This guy's looked good. He trained hard in the off season in Vegas with his boys. But you said you were worried about his functional play strength at the center position, and it was a massive problem tonight against the Steelers. That was really the issue with Gates, and I'm just not
2: sure that he has what it takes to play center. That and also balance center of gravity. I mean, there yes. was one play against Tyson Alulu where I think it was a. A push-pull swim move and Gates was just on his ass and then literally if you freeze frame it you could see Alu, Alu running straight at Saquon Barkley and Gates kind of getting up just looking and it's just such a bad look I can't wait to dive into the all 22 to really actually break it down to see if there were just a couple anonymous uh, plays that were sort of anomalies i guess but from some of the plays that i saw and some of the just ineffectiveness of that offensive line ineffective nature of being able to establish the run it it is not pretty it is not pretty yeah and when you think about that i mean you could focus
1: and harp on the bad and the bad is some you know you you have to at least acknowledge that this offensive line really struggled when it came to the run game this is Or I mean, John Ledger said on Twitter, John Ledger, not even affiliated with the Giants, just a draft guy that we actually had on the show this offseason breakdown draft. He said he's not sure in all of his years of of covering the NFL and watching the NFL, he's ever seen a worse run-blocking single game in the history of the NFL than what the Giants put together on tape. And while that may be true, it leads to a positive because you can focus on the negative here or you can flip it and think about, well, there is a little bit of a positive that comes out of it, and it's the coaching staff, and it's Jason Garrett, and it's the game plan that he had. Did he continue to run the ball at this? Yes, there were some first and 10 runs and second and long runs that I would have traded out, but there weren't many. I, I complained about the ones that they did because I just thought it made no sense at any point to run on first and 10 or second and long in this game. It just presented zero value, the way that they were blocking the run game, and they finally went away from it once they kind of figured that out, but his idea to kind of let Jones do what Jones does best, spread it out, go empty often, and utilize him in the quick passing game where he's at his best and he's at his most accurate. It was excellent. I mean, that combined with the tempo that he used, which a lot of good teams do, and it's a Belichick way, it's a New England Patriots way, I think Joe Judge kind of had his say on this because I remember from the blue-white scrimmage, Joe Judge talking to either Jones or, um, it was either Jones or Garrett when they kind of mic'd him up and he was like, We got X amount of play. I think he said we got 59 plays. We got X amount of plays in that half. That was great. I think Joe Judge has made it stress the importance of getting plays in tempo on offense. And I love to see Garrett come out with that. And he had some really interesting plays in there too as well. That double screen to Barkley. That was an awesome play. We didn't see that last year from Sherman. We didn't see that, you know, in previous years from Ben McAdoo. So I really actually thought jason garrett if we're looking for positives jason garrett has to come away with one and I, and I and i we won't get into this yet just yet but i think the same can kind of be relayed for daniel jones who was really put at a massive disadvantage with a run game that was going backwards literally quite literally 16 carries for five yards for saquon barkley and really no ability to do anything but the passing game which eventually the steelers were able to you know create some big plays off that of. tj watt interception was just because they knew they were going past quick passing game but with the setup he had I thought he played excellent, and I really came away from this kind of optimistic about what the Jason Garrett era could be from a play-calling standpoint.
2: I like how Garrett utilized heavy personnel in an up-tempo manner as well, and I know you've asked in previous podcasts, Dan, how will the Giants get Caden Smith snaps? How will he end up seeing the field? Well, Giants were using 12, 13 personnel groups as a base, and then they would spread them out as five wide. Like tight ends like Caden Smith and Ingram, they have the athletic capability to spread out, run routes, and possibly create some separation while not being total liabilities blocking on the edge. But then again, it was really rough for Ingram on all fronts in this game. He was a liability as a blocker on several different occasions. He was abused there. He had a bad drop, had that OPI. It was apparent that Garrett wanted to get Ingram involved, but it just was not happening. The interception to Watt, the Giants were attempting to get the ball to Ingram on a short little button hook and Watt credit to him I think it was a pass rush and he saw Daniel Jones and this is on Daniel Jones kind of eye Evan Ingram and then he starts rearing back and then Watts just reads his eyes baits him and then jumps to make that really yeah. good interception that's just an excellent play by Watt to be honest I mean I really did like the use of personnel the early quick game the backside screenplay that you referenced on the second and 17 to Barkley I mean there were definitely aspects of this offense to like from a play calling passing game perspective especially when you consider the defense the Giants were facing and the fact that this offensive line was truly offensive still it can't get anything going on the ground which is a major concern Garrett showed some balls I will say some cojones with some play action short yardage third and fourth down play calls one was the play action drag to Toy Lolo with no Evan Ingram on the field which was obviously by design to sell the Steelers that the Giants were going to run the football I mean I like that it just wasn't enough to overcome this defense, but Garrett showed a few interesting wrinkles that would be maximized if this damn team could establish any sort of rushing attack.
1: Obviously in the negative column, the run game, but I don't want to ju- run and ju- uh, you know, rush conclusion just yet because it is the Steelers' front. It is I a do- new offensive
2: line. It is a new system as well. Yeah. So yeah.
1: But I do think there are some concerns with the sense that they were running a lot of outside zone, which is kind of new to this offense I guess with just the personnel that they ran last year was mostly inside zone and when you're running outside zone and Evan Ingram is required to make these blocks it's it's a tough ask because he's on the field for obvious reasons he's your number one tight end you're hoping to have you can't really just use him situationally but I don't know if this is if that's the right blocking scheme for him I don't know if if you can really afford to have him on the field if he's gonna you know he he missed blocks today he dropped catches he had Overall, probably his worst game that I've seen from a while while fully healthy, I would say, from Evan Ingram. So I'm not sure they didn't do as much pin pull as as we thought. They didn't do, you know, they tried to do some of those those power pull plays, but it It, just wasn't there for them. It's also
2: difficult when the team is shooting the gaps like they were. They were they were so on their cues and their run fits the Steelers, and And that's the thing with this so good at the point of attack.
1: That's why I kind of feel like the Giants here match the Steelers in third down efficiency, almost match them in yards. You know they moved the ball somewhat consistently. Consistently in this game, when all they really had was the quick passing game. Jones hit the touchdown to Slayton off the play action game. That was like their only shot they had at a deep ball because that was really the only time where they were in that where they kind of got the Steelers to bite on that run and they were able to do it. But after that, it was really quick game or nothing. If they weren't going to play that quick game against what the Steelers were doing on defense which was, like you said, shooting the gaps, a lot of early down blitzes. Like You you looked at it. The Steelers blitzed on a ton of early downs. Finally, the Giants countered that with those quick outs on first and 10 to set them up for second and five, second and six, which really helped them improve their drives instead of just running the ball on those first and 10s, which were just negative plays every time. But really, there wasn't much to work with for this offense, which is what impressed me the most, I would say, not only for Daniel Jones, if you're going to go that direction, but also for Jason Garrett in his first game plan for the Giants.
2: Yeah, when you can't establish the run, but you're still able to be competitive with a roster that's definitely a lot less than the opponent because the Steelers have one. They have a Super Bowl type of roster right now, and the New York Giants just aren't there. But another issue when it comes to protections was pass protection in the sense of the running backs. Aikon Barkley had a couple mistakes. I saw him a few times in this game. I want to dive into the All-22 again. Saw him a few times pick up a couple blitzes in the A-gaps, and I was like, that was really good blitz pickup. But there were a couple plays where he whiffed or he did not read it correctly wayne gallman did the same thing and then cam fleming got basically schemed a two-on-one and he had his back turned because he tried blocking the guy going outside thinking the running back was coming to help him but gallman did not help him and it resulted in daniel jones just getting obliterated these kind of six-man protection packages for the giants need to be fixed they need to figure out a way to have that running back be reliable in these situations maybe that's going to lead to more dion lewis in uh more lewis being on the field that could be something that happens if saquon barkley continues to struggle but we we can't have daniel jones just getting murdered back there
1: yeah you're right and that's something they're gonna have to figure out as the season goes on and it's going to be based on what do they have the right personnel there's options like you mentioned i mean there might be a change at center this is an experiment with gates there might be a change at right tackle i know some fans have already started to ask me is it time for matt pert and when you watch andrew thomas have a really good opening game like this you start to i understand where those ideas and those thoughts come from you're like look thomas was able to do it why you know matt pert might be able to just come right out there and be better than we think early on it's possible i get it but you can't you know, give up on the fact or just give up on the idea that Fleming had a much better training camp than Pert. There's a reason Fleming's starting. He knows the system, he has experience with it, and he had a really good camp. And yes, he had a bad first game with the Giants, at least from what we think on the broadcast angle. Again, we don't know that until we watch all
2: 22. He's also going up against TJ Watt. And TJ Watt's, you can argue, top, what, seven pass rusher Easily. in the National Football League. That's a tough spot to be in for sure. And Fleming did struggle in pass protection, but... We've seen worse as Giants fans. I'm not really quite there yet that Pert should see the game. you got to give Fleming a little bit longer of a leash for all the reasons that you just said.
1: Yep, I agree with you. We'll have to see, though, because I think that... I don't think Joe Judge is the type of coach that's going to just stay with what he came out in Week 1 I think he's the type of coach that's literally not going to care about the name on the back of your jersey if you're not playing well he's going to try different players out and he doesn't care who makes what money who was drafted where who was brought in and promised to do anything because i know fleming signed here with a l- larger because he thought he saw opportunity but that's not a guarantee that he has a- that he's going to have this spot for long and i think the same goes for everyone on that offensive line the way they're playing i mean obviously the options at guard are a little bit more limited i don't think they're going to make a move at either of those spots will just hope that the pro there may-, may make progress as they get more comfortable with the system and don't again don't have to face the Steelers front every week. This is not the matchup for them every week. It's not going to get too much better next week with the Bears. But having said that, there's a lot of scuttlebutt, a lot of t- uh, chatter on Twitter about how this Bears defense has kind of been underperforming with a lot of talent. So I'll be interested to see that matchup. But again, I think that this will be an evolving situation on the line. I don't think it's a lock that what we have now is going to be the final starting lineup, at, or at least midway through the season, week ten, week eleven. This will be the exact five.
2: I don't disagree with you, but that becomes a slippery slope when you really start messing with the continuity of an offensive line. But when the continuity of the offensive line is complete ass, then maybe it should be messed with. But you want these offensive linemen to be cohesive with each other. You want them to really gain experience with each other i mean the byproduct of not having a preseason is some of these units that are really predicated on communication and experience working with each other are not going to necessarily have that and that could be one reason why the giants offensive line struggled along with the fact that they were playing the pittsburgh steelers a really good defensive front so you conflate both of those two things and that could lead to maybe in a better matchup Giants offensive line will be a little bit better and not only rush for five yards but you're right if Cam Fleming continues to get abused by some of these pass rushers uh whispers are going to be going to be floated out there from the Giants fan base but I'm not sure if Parrott's ready yet
1: yeah we'll have to see that's a work in progress a little positive negative I thought on on another player who stood out to me Drew Peppers both positive and negative positive for me was I really like him in the return game. I really like having him as a punt return. I think it's worth the injury risk to have him out there. He added juice to the return game every single time he touched the ball. That Those extra 10 yards he created pretty much on each return make a difference, especially with a team like the Giants that are going to be in these type of slugfest games every week, week in and week out, and are going to need to have... The turnovers go their way, or the big special teams plays go their way. I mean, again, this is a game with missed opportunities. They settle for the field goal in the first drive from first and goal, and then they got zero points out of the 19-play, 87-yard, 8-minute drive. You you turn that into 14, we're looking at a very different game here. So, So with all that said, I like having them there. But I'll say this about Peppers. I have higher expectations for where he should be at right now as a defensive player. I thought there was one play that really stood out to me. It was when he, later on in the game, the the Steelers ran that uh, trap outside, I think it was like a trap outside run from the gun um, late in the game, but at a really crucial time where the Giants needed to stop. It was second and long, and... He's supposed to fill there. He's the only one to fill there in that alley, and he misses it. He misses the tackle and turns into a big first down, 12-yard game for the Steelers. It really kind of iced the game, I thought, for the Giants. They needed to stop there to put him in third and long, and that would have given him a shot to really get back into the game. I think, I believe at the time, the Steelers had 19 points. It might have been 19-10. They were just outside field goal range, right on the border. Could have changed some things there. And I just think, again, on that play, it's it's one play, but the play with Ebron, not great in coverage there. You know, gives up a big play there on a key third down. And it's not that really he's standing out for too many of these bad plays outside of those. It's that he's not making enough good plays right now for me. I really just expected a lot more progression here. When he came over from the Browns, he really had that awesome last year with the Browns. And I thought, you know, the Giants envisioned a specific role for him. Obviously, that was a different defense with Betra. This is another new one. He's got to learn it. But... Uh, for me he's still a work in progress I'm not ready to call him a core player I'm not ready to call him someone the Giants should be resigning this coming offseason I still need to see a lot from him
2: I think it's fair to, to make that statement for sure you definitely want someone like Peppers someone that last year we kind of raved about his ability to come and fill in the alley I thought he did a pretty solid job overall last season doing that as an Antoine Buffet. so both those safeties did that but yeah you're right on that one specific play wasn't exactly there and then you have the coverage laps. you can't really have that from someone who i think the majority of giants fans and giants consensus feel is a core player on this defense so the giants may have decision if he doesn't progress but hey there's a lot of football to be played this is week one in a really weird ass off season so there's a ton of football to still be played here what do you think from
1: our boy darnay holmes i kind of like what i saw i thought he had a really nice playing coverage early in the game i think he had a really nice blitz on a third down. I, I like what I see from him yeah he's a good athlete out there
2: too for sure yeah. he had a one Which play he had one play where he didn't force the incompletion but if he was a step quicker it could have been an interceptionist when Big Ben tried to thread the needle I think it was a third down on like a flat slant combo and he was covering the flat and then he noticed Big Ben was throwing a slant and he tried to undercut it and I was like on the broadcast angle I jumped I thought Darnay Holmes was gonna come away with the pick but he didn't I think he had one or two like missed tackle attempts where he tried to do the arm tackle on whoever the running back was and I was like darn it you got to come in there and you got to hit hard because you know Grant Haley would have done that but (laughs) now Holmes is uh in coverage he seemed like he was pretty solid to be honest but again got to get to that all 22 for sure yep
1: no doubt about it all right let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors then we're gonna jump back into it with our overall evaluation of Daniel Jones in this game couple other standout players including Darius Slayton who's quickly emerging as not only a draft steal for the Giants but also potentially a star number one receiver
2: and more. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. I don't know about you, but sometimes I love to just crack a Pepsi, it could be a diet Pepsi, and just chillax and watch some football. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it is made for for those who watch it pepsi made for football watching even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the fastest number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over Three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free seventy-five dollar credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash Blue All one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th.
1: All right, before we dive into Daniel Jones, and again, we'll probably save most of our Jones valuation for the All-22. We've always been big believers on this podcast that the only way to really judge a quarterback is by seeing what he sees from the All-22 angle. But I do want to give one shout-out that we didn't mention yet, and that's Darius Slayton because Darius Slayton at this point, the first touchdown, obviously great route, great separation, great catch holding onto the ball with a late hit, but the deep curl right to get out of the end zone on third and 14 in the beginning of the second half you know just his ability to get open and make catches and make plays for this football team it's awesome to see i mean field yates tweeted out Darius slayton now has 10 receiving touchdowns since week five of last season more than anyone else in the nfl any position he's a legitimate playmaking difference maker for this offense and in a game where the giants really didn't get breaks again Didn't capitalize on the first red zone, that could have been an extra four points. Didn't capitalize on their second, on their long red zone trip, that could have been an extra seven points. The fumble that James Bradbury forced, awesome hustle play, but not a lot of fumble luck for the Giants there. The Steelers re recover that fumble. So, in a game where breaks didn't go their way, having a guy like this can really change the complexion of a game, and he's just a playmaker. That's what he is, like I just said. I mean, it's an awesome stat. 10 touchdowns since week five of last season, the most of any player in the NFL. It's just. Awesome stuff with Slayton. Really bright future there.
2: For sure. And when it comes to Daniel Jones, you know he trusts him. And the offense, both Shermer and Jason Garrett are designing plays for him to score touchdowns because he's excellent as a deep receiving threat. On the touchdown catch that he had, that was designed on that deep post to isolate him with an inside breaking route, a deep post against that cornerback and the safety did exactly what Garrett wanted him to do they high load him and the safety bit underneath on the Evan Ingram drag route it was kind of more of a horizontal cross it was ran at a depth that forced I believe it was Minka Fitzpatrick who was playing safety to come down on Evan Ingram and not worry about what was going on behind him which allowed the open post behind the ass of Minka Fitzpatrick which resulted in six which was also a beautiful throw from Daniel Jones but Darius Slayton this is his game right here he's that big play type of receiver for this offense and if he keeps developing he's going to be much more than that and on that play
1: I mean that's a glimpse if Giants fans if you just want a glimpse of what Jason Garrett picturesque offense what he wants it to be it's that it's he wants more consistency in the run game so he can open up those plays for Daniel Jones those play action shots like that and that should be open all year from them those deep posts if the offense is operating at a high level and functioning in the run game and that's going to take time but if they can get to the level and with this group up front where they do have a functioning run game they're going to be a much better offense than even what they showed tonight where they had to kind of revert to this quick passing game all game yes Daniel Jones showed last year with Pat Shermer that he does operate at a high and efficient level in the quick passing game and he showed it tonight against a really good defense when you factor that in but if you want this offense to reach its top level, in my opinion, that's going to be a staple play in at that deep post. And it's going to come off the play action. It's going to come off a more consistent run game from you know under you know under center for Daniel Jones so I think that's something they'll look to build on as well
2: yeah you want to put defenders in conflict that's what you're trying to do you put that safety in conflict he makes the decision whatever decision he makes you choose the other receiver and throw that ball and get a one-on-one matchup and trust that your receiver will win that matchup and in that specific case Slayton had all the leverage inside all the leverage inside so that's an easy six points and the Giants are going to take that all day Okay, Nick,
1: let's save most of it for the All-22 because, again, we need it to make a true evaluation. But what are your thoughts on Daniel Jones? Because I asked this because I know after tonight, I'm pretty sure tomorrow on the timeline, there's going to be a lot of hate for Daniel Jones and a lot of blame for him uh, when it comes to this loss. Do you feel like that's warranted?
2: Not necessarily, man. I mean, this is a new offense for Daniel Jones, but he showed a lot of similarities to his 2019 self, I guess you could say. He made some big clutch throws, some very impressive throws and although he did not have any rushing attack whatsoever and he had some plays that really kind of made you feel confident that he was your starting quarterback however He had those two costly turnovers, and he still holds on to the football too long. It's kind of the same issues that he had last year, but he was also a little bit better in zone coverage, it seemed like, just from the broadcast angle. So there's progress there. I think his internal clock still needs to get better. Those turnovers were really costly, especially the one in the red zone. I mean, you have to get rid of the ball there. I'm not really sure what he was thinking. Maybe he was trying to throw it out of the back of the end zone, but you have to be smarter and know that you do not have a lot of time there, and he did not, and that is a boneheaded young quarterback mistake right there but the play with Watt I mean sometimes you just got to tip your cap to the defender and say that was just an excellent play you don't want him to telegraph it because he kind of did so you're still seeing these kind of mistakes from Daniel Jones but some of these throws that he made they were big boy throws he had that 41 yard touchdown to Slayton he had the vertical pass up the numbers to Evan Ingram where yes there was a slight push off by Ingram but that was still a well-placed ball he had the third and 14 play where he threw that deep curl while he was in his own end zone to Darius Slayton to convert Move the chains had the first and 10 dragged to slayton where he had to be patient because olosu kanami was crawling at him like a zombie on the ground and he just kind of floated backwards and just waited as long as he could didn't allow the pressure to necessarily get to him and then finally released the ball before he takes a huge hit he had the first and 10 from the far hash The throw with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter too to cj board i had really really good velocity to also help move the chain so he had a lot of good throws here but there were still those mistakes that you're going to need to clean up. These are things that happen with young quarterbacks, but I'm not ready to let Daniel Jones go by any means. I know I've seen a couple people on Twitter just loving to trash him, but people are going to trash this kid no matter what, especially when he makes some boneheaded mistakes, and he definitely made a few in this game. He still has some plays that really make you feel like he's your quarterback. At least he does for me. It makes me feel like he's a quarterback that you can build with for this team.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think any discussion on Daniel Jones' performance tonight needs the first center around the context which is again very limited in what he could do because they had to play the quick passing game just based on the situation and that is he had no running game his running game was literally going backwards his defense was unreliable in the second half if we're being honest and he was dealing with pass protection issues up the gut at center with Barkley at times in pass protection which is devastating for a young quarterback on the early third downs and at right tackle but with all that said he showed a lot of what made him promising last season. That's the ability to stay on rhythm and on time with excellent ball placement. Really, when you watch him, and you can compare this to a lot of quarterbacks, if you take the time to watch on Game Pass or just focus when you're watching Red Zone or even your local games, you'll see some quarterbacks miss open receivers that's not something you see often from Daniel Jones really from a ball placement standpoint he didn't miss many throws from a clean base tonight I don't really think from a ball placement standpoint really much of anything was off for Jones tonight that I I can't remember too many throws at all where he was off really I mean you could talk about the red zone incompletion at Ingram but that really looked more like a miscommunication Um, and again he didn't throw too many deep balls in this game there wasn't really too many opportunities But even in just that quick passing game and when he operates on the slant and, you know, he even made some big time throws, the third and 14 from his end zone on the deep curl. That's a tough throw. You gotta have really good ball placement and zip to make that and he made that. So I think we still saw a lot of that and that's the big promise with Jones. It's the timing, it's the rhythm, uh, passing game offense, the ball placement and I thought the decision making really improved you mentioned he improved and made some big plays versus zone that he made last year some of the plays just the ability to recognize Barkley on that throwback on third down he doesn't make that play last year as a rookie he doesn't recognize that Barkley's open to his left where he's not even thinking to go with the football and he comes back and completes that ball to convert the drive the two runs where he converted the third downs and turned those and, and you know and saw nothing was open decided to take off with his legs and get the first down on those two plays those are big time plays too and those are good awareness as well so I thought there was a lot of improvement there from Jones in that sense, but at the same time, I won't sit here and not knock him for turning the ball over in the red zone. The TJ Watt thing is one thing because again, when you're stuck in quick passing game all game, that type of stuff might happen. It's either gonna usually it'll be a batted pass. That time it was an interception. It's okay to me. I don't give him full blame. The red zone touchdown, uh, the red zone interception. I'm sorry, I should say. Yes, he should have. Th- it's a tough spot for him too, though. I mean, like he's trying to square his body up and throw that ball out of bounds, and he's just a little a sec. A quick second too late and maybe instead what you want to do there is kind of just check that down quick to the running back because Barkley was kind of floating right in the flat right when he comes off the rollout to his left he could have re- released it quick to Barkley the play was pretty broken he should have known from the start there really wasn't much to gain from him and continue to extend that play by rolling to his left the entire defense was flowing that way at that point nothing was open so at that point the play's kind of already dead he has to recognize that maybe faster those mistakes are big I understand that But for me, they don't outweigh the positives against this defense. And I think those are easier to clean up than just simple miscommunication. I'm sorry, not miscommunication, misconnections due to bad ball placement. And I've seen that from a lot of young quarterbacks. And I don't see it as much from Jones. And I think that to me is probably what stands out as the most promising thing for a uh, promising prospect of Jones moving forward
2: also when you take into account the lack of rushing attack the Steelers defense being a top three defense and the truncated offseason and the third offense in as many years there's a lot of factors that kind of do pile up against Daniel Jones and I'm not trying to just be an apologist for the kid because he did make those mistakes and hopefully he'll learn from those mistakes but It's a tough spot to be in for sure on Monday Night Football, and he was able to at least have this team be competitive through most of this game. And it's also, like we said before, a testament to this coaching staff. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Again, I was
1: pretty impressed with the coaching staff from the variety in personnel packages from Garrett. Used different groupings, 11, 12, 13, motion, things like that, that really stood out to me in this game and made me feel like they had a specific game plan to attack a defense like the Steelers.
2: And it was up-tempo too. Heavy personnel with up-tempo. You love yep. to see that. And you could do that with Evan Ingram and Caden Smith, man. That's and the I great thing about to that. I come back
1: this next week against the Bears or something similar. I really do. Especially today's NFL now with taking out the, the concerns with crowd noise and things of that nature. They can really do a lot at the line of scrimmage even in road games.
2: I also wonder how much of the uh, heavy personnel was also an adjustment because Golden Tate wasn't there. Would we have seen more 11 personnel if Golden Tate was healthy? I guess Maybe we'll see that next week. Yep.
1: All right, guys, we will speak to you soon again. We will come back with the All-22 breakdown of the Giants' first game against the Steelers. Probably also be diving into a preview of this Bears game. The Giants need to get back on track this week with the win against the Bears. I think the Bears are a very beatable team. They made a really nice comeback to beat a... Lions team that's really just in full disaster mode right now, (laughs) Matt Patricia, but I think it'll be a winnable game. We'll have to see, but we won't really know how we feel about this Giants loss until we dive into All-22, so stay tuned to the Big Blue Banter podcast. We'll speak to you sometime later this week, and do us a favor, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, download on iTunes, and follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter. Until then, talk to you soon, and go Giants.
2: The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
3: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love.